Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. Peter, look at what happened. Simon says, thou art Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus turns around and said, this light, this revelation has come from God. And because you have this revelation and declaration of me, now I'm going to tell you who you are. He said, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Gates there means counsel. The gates of hell, the the counsel of hell shall not prevail against it. The plans, the plots, the scheme of hell cannot prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever shall be loosed on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Notice the structure of the revelation of Peter's identity that he's laying out. He's saying... I'm going to build a church on the revelation of the rock that you just said, that that firm foundation of you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That revelation of God in flesh, I am going to build my church on that revelation. And because of that revelation, the church is going to have specific power before it was loosed in heaven and fell out on the earth. Now it's going to be loosed on the earth and then loosed in heaven. He gives authority to his church to make make authoritative statements that said, if I bind it here, it's bound in the heavenlies. And if I loose it here, it's loosed in the heavenlies. Amen. So the church must know its authority and its identity. We are able to bind, excuse me, and loose things. Amen. Next verse. And verse 20 says, then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. He said, it's not time but keep it for yourself. Amen. So today I preach, who do you say I am? Jesus, let this word be seated. Let it uh, grow in our hearts and let it take root, I pray in Jesus' name. Everyone say amen. You may be seated. Simon Peter says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. This revelation from God was powerful. It was such a revelation that the church could live on it, breathe on it. They could do works in it. It could do powerful and great things. There was going to be demonstration of the Spirit through the identity of the church. Amen? When you, so, when you say who Jesus is to you, you release him to begin to declare over you who you are going to be. Amen? There's one thing that God cannot do. God cannot worship. You need to understand that. God cannot worship. The reason why God cannot worship is because the function of worshiping is to worship something higher than yourself. And anytime you worship something, you are making it into a God or you're making it higher than yourself. And God is the King of Kings. He's the King Most High. Is that true? And so therefore, He is incapable of worshiping 
anything. And, and so being God of all glory, there is something special that we must understand as a church that we can do that no, no other thing or no other function, uh, there's no other function in the earth or no other opportunity for, for something to fill what we do as a church, and that is to worship the Most High God. Amen? Because man-willed worship is what God was seeking for, a person or a thing. He could build angels. He could build seraphims and cherubims that would cry, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He could create something that could worship him without having a will, but he wanted someone in relationship. The true estimation and the true understanding of whether you have a relationship with God is can you worship him in good times and in bad times times amen can you worship God when it's not going well and can you worship God when everything's all right it's easy to worship him when things are going fine but when things go wrong can you say though he slay me yet shall I serve him I will lift my hands in the sanctuary and I will worship God amen we have to understand that man-willed worship is the most desired thing of the enemy. That both heaven and hell is seeking after your worship. Amen? They're desiring to destroy the thing that God loves the most, and that is worship. He came through the words of Jesus Christ, saying that he's come to seek and save that which was lost. And what was lost? It was not those that was lost. It was that which was lost, and that is worship. Because worship indicates relationship. And without relationship with God, you will never worship him. You can praise God for the good things he's done for you. But when things go bad, you have to know how to worship God. Because you won't have a praise in bad times. But you can lift your hands through the tears. And you can lift your heart through the sorrow. And through the times when it's not going well. And say, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Though he slay me, I'm still going to serve him. Have you ever seen a Job kind of praise or worship in somebody's life? It's not a good time worship. It's a God time worship. It's a worship that says, regardless of what happens, I know who you are, God. And I know how able you are. And I know how capable you are. A self-willed worship is what God seeks and desires. Have you decided today to be a worshiper? Not just worship. Not have the activity, but be a worshiper in your life. Amen. He is my Lord and King. Hallelujah. And I'm grateful for that. Because when you become a worshiper, you realize that there are several things that you must live by. I was talking and posting and doing different things while I was putting together this sermon. And I posted something and somebody commented back and titled it for me. I was appreciative of that. But I, was, but I want to share with you that your decisions drive all of your declarations amen and all of your declarations empower all of your deeds so therefore your actions work backwards through what you say and your saying works backwards you're doing and saying works backwards into what you have decided about the lord amen so your decision making process is very very important 
Proverbs 23 and 7 talks about the heart determines the issues of life. I'm grateful that I know that the issues of the heart can determine my life. It says for us to guard your heart, for out of it flows the issues of life. I don't know if that is the correct terminology that I would use when I'm talking about the heart of man. I would think that your heart's desires are things you love the most and cherish the most and would be good things. But the Bible says that your heart needs to be guarded because it may go after things that could be damaging for you. Someone say amen. And your heart is a place where your decisions are made, where emotions can drive you, where you can make decisions, maybe even on an emotional level, that you would maybe even know better in a mental capacity in another situation or in a better frame of mind. But when your heart gets in love with something, it dictates to you your declarations. And those things that you say out of your mouth become the life that you live. Amen? I love how sometimes people say, well, I, I can't do that, or I'm not going to be able to be, be there, or anything, anything that I've seen people do that they love and they are passionate about, they find a way to be there, amen? If you really love something, you make time for it. So the way that you can determine whether you're guarding your heart is ask yourself the question, what do you give your time to? Because your time tells you what your heart loves. Amen? And so if you're giving your time to things that have no spiritual merit or value in your life, you are living on a destruction course toward actions and deeds that will destroy the declarations that God wants to put over your life. And so if you examine your time, brothers and sisters, where are you spending time? How much time have you spent investing in the internal things of your life, in your soul, and in your faith, and in your walk with God this week? How much time have you spent giving yourself to some prayer or giving yourself to serving others? Have you given all your time to external things and schedule and the demands of life? Or are you making demands on yourself to be in the word of God and to invest in the inner man because the outer man perishes day by day, but the inner man is renewed by the power of God. And sometimes we run out of steam and sometimes we run out of ability to fight in the struggle because we spent all our time on the external and we've put nothing on the inside. Where you find the greatest need, you will also be able to work your way backwards to a decision that you made. And if you can just change the way you think about that, if you can change that decision, you will forever change the course of your life. Amen? 
So your decisions, it's a 3D life, someone said. It's living life in 3D. Your decisions make your declarations, which make your deeds come to life. I pray that somebody in this place would trust God enough to tell them who they say he is, that you'd make a decision in this room today that he is my Lord and he is my God. And no matter what comes against me, no matter what I find myself, in. I'm still going to declare him as my healer. I'm going to declare him as my well-beloved. I'm going to declare him as my savior, my hope, my brother, my portion, my helper. I wish I could get a church in here this morning. My physician, my healer, my refiner, my purifier, my Lord and my master, my servant, my example, my teacher, my shepherd, my keeper, my feeder, my lender, my leader, my restorer, my resting place. Who do you say Jesus is to you? How much have you invested in the eternal things in your life? Because the decision you make about who he is declares how strong you will be when the enemy attacks you. He's my peace, amen? Even if I don't feel peaceful right now. <laughs> He's my way maker when I don't see a way. He's my wisdom when I don't know what to do. Amen, somebody. He's my sanctification when I don't feel good enough and worthy enough. I just know his blood is covering me, that I can stand under his grace, and in that grace, I find redemption, and I find him to be my all in all. If you ask me who Jesus is to me today, I tell you he's my restorer. He's the one that restored the wasted years. He restored the years that the canker worm and the palmer worm and anything else that came to my life tried to destroy, but I stand here whole today as a man that went through too much that should have been all broken. Everything should be broken. But I stand here whole because of the God I serve. Not because I'm good enough, but because I have a declaration off of a decision in my life to serve the Lord. And that declaration has allowed me to live in anointed action. Amen, somebody. I'm living a 3D life in Jesus' name. Above all else, I'm guarding my heart. I'm putting time in the things that matter most. One translation says, watch over your heart with all vigilance, for out of it flows the springs of life. Out of it flows, another, another translation says, out of your heart flows the source of life. If you don't feel vibrant, if you don't feel alive in Christ Jesus, check your heart, amen? You've got heart trouble in the house today. And as a preacher and minister of the gospel, I can tell you that God is an expert surgeon who can do a heart transplant in this place today and can put life back in you and hope back in you. And you can leave here different than you came. In fact, we should leave here different than we came. We don't have time to play games. The devil's not playing games. I'm not playing games. You need to leave here different than you showed up. Amen, somebody. But you might not be desperate enough for the miracle that God has for you. 
Because the determination of what makes your declarations turn into actions and the miraculous is whether you're desperate enough to go after it. Are you desperate enough to be in the house of God? Are you desperate enough to see God do something in your family? Are you desperate enough for you to pray down a mantle around your son or your daughter? Are you desperate enough to pray down a hedge around the, the family members that just will not live for God? Are you desperate enough to stand when you have to stand alone? Are you desperate enough to live when they say there is no God and say oh but there is a God and I talked to him this morning and I have a relationship with him and he's putting life Life on the inside of me. Amen, somebody. Amen. Grateful that I understand that if I will get desperate, God will make my deliverance happen. He is my deliverer. Amen. Amen. There's a woman with an issue of blood I want to talk about for just a minute and she's in Mark 5 and 22. It's recorded in Luke 8 as well and one other location in the gospel but the scripture says this in verse 22. It says, keep up with me, would you? Verse 22, ruler of the synagogue, I'm gonna need you to go fast. <laughs> y'all messed up this whole day with all y'all's worship. <laughs> all that praying we did, we messed up our schedule. And the, and the leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived and he saw Jesus just keep on trucking through this, if you would. And he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him, my little daughter is dying. How many know he's desperate? Everyone say desperation. desperation. That's what I'm talking about right now. He said, please come and lay your hands on her, heal her so she can live. And Jesus, now first of all, he had to believe that God was a healer. He came with his declaration. You are my healer of my daughter. And now he's come in desperation out of that declaration. Jesus went with him. Of course Jesus did. And all the people followed him. There's a crowd around him. And a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years. Everyone say 12 years. With a constant bleeding. She had done everything she knew to do. Go to the next verse. She suffered a great deal. Everyone say suffer. suffer. Now if she did not have a declaration in her life, she would have never showed up to where Jesus was. She said, he's my healer and I've got to go where he heals. Which means if I can get to him and I can, she had no precedent. Nobody had ever been healed that way. Nobody had ever said, if I just touch the material of his garment, I will be healed. But she knew that if he's my healer, it doesn't matter what or how he chooses to do it. I'm just going to declare him as my healer and let him work however he wants to do it. He may choose to do a miracle. He may choose to heal me over time. He may choose to heal me through the doctor and through medication, through modern medicine, whatever God chooses to do, I trust him as my healer. And so she goes after Jesus with a declaration. And she's been suffering and seeing many doctors. How many know doctors are expensive? She spent her money. So she went after Jesus and she spent everything. And she heard about Jesus, so she came and behind, she came behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. You have to understand the scenario right here. She was not supposed to be in that cloud, crowd, according to Leviticus. 
uh, chapter two, I believe one through two, if you can check me later. Uh, Leviticus 2 talks about that she's unclean. Leviticus 15, I believe verse 28 as well, says that a woman who is un, has a flow of blood or has an issue of blood is unclean and she's not allowed to be around normal people in crowds. She has to go and separate herself. So this woman is not only spent in money, she's spent emotionally. She's been alone for a long time. She's been fighting this thing with tears, running off her eyes, soaking her pillow at night. She's been spending time where she wanted to be with family, but because she was unclean and Levitical law said you can't be with anybody, you have to separate yourself because you're unclean. Here she comes in desperation. She doesn't care what the crowd says. She doesn't even care what the law says. She knows if I get to Jesus, everything is going to change. Oh my goodness, I feel like preaching in here. For the thought to herself is this, if I can just touch his robe, she said in one translation, she said to herself, if you trace it back into the Greek, you realize it's like Matthew where it says, ask and keep asking, seek and keep seeking, knock and keep knocking. It's the same syllable or same kind of usage where you see her saying to herself and then saying to herself again and then saying to herself again Again. She just kept saying it over and over until her future changed. She changed her past by telling herself till her future changed in Jesus Christ. I hope you like what this is, what this is, what's happening in the scripture here because I just absolutely love this story. In other words, she deleted her past by repeating her prophetic. That is so good, Sister Carla Gannon. That is so good. That God can literally turn somebody's life around if they will just continue to repeat what they believe God can do for them. The change is so real. She said, I will be healed. Past tense. She believed if she could get to him that he would heal her. And she believed it so strong that she saw it as a past event. I will be healed. I will be healed. It will be done. In Jesus, it will be done. And maybe I'm just preaching right now, but I just feel like she had no concern for how she had to get to Jesus. The Bible says in the next verse that she was willing. Immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. In another translation in Luke, it says she crawled, that she crawled through the crowd. That sounds like desperation to me. How about you? I think that when you're dealing with someone with fame like Jesus, he went out throughout all the land and people flocked to him because he was compassionate and he healed. Jarius in the first part of this chapter was saying, I desire you to come and lay your hands on my daughter. They understood that this from Jesus meant he was going to heal. That if he touched them, they could heal. They understood that. So she thought, well, if he can touch me and heal me, then maybe I'll just get to him first. <laughs> How many have ever had a situation where you're like, well, if Jesus can touch it and he can change it, maybe I'll just go ahead and get to him first. Maybe I'll touch him first about that situation. And so she literally believed that God was going to change it and then, because they believed that, she went to him and touched his garment. 
And the Bible says that virtue flowed out. Now with his fame, the d- disciples were acting like bodyguards at this point. They were all around him. They were helping him get through the crowd. They were watching out more eyes and ears so that you can see people around you. If somebody had ill intent, they were watching out for Jesus. They were walking with Jesus through the crowd. The press was heavy. And so whenever Jesus asked this question, it's almost like a duh question. It's almost like, um, really? There's people reaching for you, Jesus. There's people touching at you. There's people calling after you. All of these things are going on. And you're asking who touched you? Notice that desperation changed everything for her. Everybody that was touching Jesus didn't mean that everybody was being touched by Jesus. In other words, you can sit in this house today and there can be somebody who gets touched by Jesus or goes to him and touches him. And there's others that can leave here and go, well, that wasn't you know, the best service today. I could have had a better one. But your determination off of your desperation will often make a difference in your life. And so she went after Jesus. And Jesus realized once he healed that he'd gone out, that power had gone out from him. And he told his disciples, look at this crowd. If you, um, I can't read while you're running away. <laughs> I was trying to read that previous verse. Let's go back to 30, I think it's 30 or 30, yeah. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? I felt virtue leave me. And she was healed, amen? And so then, next verse, his disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? They're like, this is just a question we couldn't even answer. There's so many people touching you. But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. And the Bible says, go on, and the frightened woman trembling, why is she scared? Why is she scared, Ben? She just had been healed. She felt it in her body. She knew it had been changed. But Jesus was considered a rabbi. And when you touch a man who was a rabbi in those days under the law, you made him unclean until sundown and washing ceremonies. So while they're on their way to Jairus, oh, I love the serendipity of the Savior. Preach that, brother. While they're on their way to do something else, she touches him with unclean. With the law, that means he can no longer go to Jairus' house and heal his daughter. And so she's afraid. Her desperation got her answer whenever she was messing up the parade on the way to Jairus' house. God doesn't care about how you come to him as long as you come desperate. And so she's afraid because she doesn't know what's going to happen because she's messed this whole thing up and came and fell at her on her knees. She fell in a position of mercy. Have mercy on me. I know I did this. I needed it so desperately. 12 years, all my money spent, everything gone and told him what she had done. Next verse. And he said to her, daughter, your faith hath made you well. He called desperation faith. She had faith, obviously, and desperation. But he pointed out that your desperation came from your faith to believe that I could be your healer. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. God in Jesus Christ was able 
that not only heal her, but go on to Jairus' house and heal his daughter because he wasn't bound by anything that touches him that's unclean. I don't know where you come from in life and I don't know what your situation is and I know who you, don't know who you're going to minister to and who you're going to touch and who you're going to be friends with, but no matter where they came from, no matter how dark their past, it does not matter to Jesus Christ that whenever he touches them, their situation does not change his ability to work. Whenever you get a miracle from God, it is a powerful thing that comes from your desperate faith and when you believe God, you can change forever in a moment with Jesus touching you than you could ever possibly do on your own. And I know people that need so much more than I can give them, but if I can just get them to the garment of Jesus, if I can get them to a place where Jesus is passing by, and if if Jesus would pass by, you see, I don't necessarily know how to always run out a service when I'm preaching, and I don't necessarily know how to start a service some Sundays, and some Sundays, I don't necessarily know what's all going to happen, but in my desperate faith down in my soul, I ask God, God, would you please pass by here? because if there's anybody in the crowd that wants you Jesus they will be desperate enough to come and seek the hymn of the Lord to come and touch him and in that desperation there will be a change and a miraculous flow of God's power to them and things will never be the same we don't need to fear and then my one other story that I wanted to bring to you today about someone who declared who Jesus was to them as blind Bartimaeus in Mark 10, 46-52. All the differences, all the changes, all the ways in which we see God move. You have to understand that you delete your past by repeating your future. I'm good with that. That's worth coming out for and hearing, but here's one more thing I want to show you. Verse 46 chapter 10 it said then they reached Jericho Jesus and his disciples and as Jesus and his disciples left town a large crowd followed him a blind beggar everybody say a blind beggar he wasn't just blind he was a blind beggar amen it's worse than being blind but he was a blind beggar in other words it's saying in the scripture that he was not only blind but he got his livelihood from begging so that means that if Jesus healed him he had to find something else to do. He had to get a job. It was going to forever change his life. He was no longer going to be able to be dependent on the system. Some people don't want healing because it changes their dependency on the system. Shots fired. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him, and a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. Next verse. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He said, I know who you are. I'm going to make my declaration off my decision. Who do men say that I am? If you were to ask blind Bartimaeus, who do you say Jesus is? He said, I'm not even going to just call him Jesus. I'm going to reach all the way back to his messianic history. And I'm going to call him the son of David. Watch him turn around now. I'm, this dude's desperate. He's going to get Jesus' attention. He's like, Joker's stopping the party right here. I'm getting my healing right now. 
So he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He's shouting it. How many know that religion wants you to be quiet? But whenever you love the Lord, you get a little rowdy, amen? Oh, my goodness. When you are desperate, you make some noise. Whenever you're ready for something to happen, I, 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 I don't be quiet. So look at what religion says. Look at what all the people around you say. Look at what all the ones that are uncomfortable with you being desperate because it shows that they're not really interested in God the way you're interested in God. Have you ever been there? When you're living for God with all your heart and it makes somebody else uncomfortable because they realize that you're doing more than they're doing and really the reason why they're not seeing God move in their life is because, and they're seeing God move in your life is because they're just not willing to be desperate enough they're just not and so they're like be quiet be quiet they're all like hey stop making noise and then what does he do he shouts louder he said oh no this is my day to get my deliverance amen and he begins to shout louder and he says son of David have mercy on me go to the next verse now <clears throat> this is blind Bartimaeus He's a beggar. When Jesus heard him, he stopped. It makes sense to me that Jesus would stop, but it doesn't make sense to me why Jesus wouldn't go to him. Why wouldn't Jesus say, man, this guy's shouting. He's making a bunch of racket. Let's go over there and find out what he needs. Wouldn't you? Someone's yelling your name. Hey, 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 hey. And they just won't quit. And everybody else is telling them, shut up. And they just won't quit. And they're making a fool of themselves. Amen, somebody, to get Jesus' attention. Then Jesus just stops. He said, so they called. Tell him to come here. You're asking a blind man to come find you. It doesn't make any sense to me. I'm sorry. Maybe it's just my humor. <laughs> but it's like, have him come find me. You know what he had to have done? Now watch this. It said, and they said. How many know that they? Oh, they will never let that happen. They are never going to be happy with that. There's a whole lot of they in our world, amen? And so they called the blind man and said, cheer up. I think he was just as happy as could be. He like knew Jesus was coming. He was getting desperate. He was like, I'm going to get my miracle. And they're like, cheer up. They said, come on, he is calling you. The people that told him to shut up now are willing to lead him to Jesus. Isn't it funny that the people that tell you that you don't have to do all that to get your miracle, you don't have to be noisy like that, you don't have to worship like that, you don't have to praise like that, that when you do get the attention of Jesus, they want to go with you? <laughs> Isn't that crazy to me? Thank you, brother, buddy. That they're the ones that are saying, shut up, don't dance like that, don't dress like that, don't talk like that, don't look like that, don't be demanding like that on Jesus, don't be desperate like that. But when the Holy Ghost starts to fall and healing starts to happen and the house starts to feel and you start to feel revival in the air, they will show up to watch the demonstration of God because of your desperation. Interesting to me. So they said, come on, and they led him to Jesus. Bartimaeus did something very interesting here. You have to know that in the Bible times that your garment and your clothing said who you were. And so his coat was not just a blind man's coat. His garment was a blind beggar's coat. 
And so he does something here so powerful. He takes off of his, he hasn't been to Jesus yet, okay? He's still going toward his miracle. He's still blind as a bat. He's going toward his miracle. And the Bible says he takes off his coat and jumps up and he leaves his coat on the side of the road. That coat that says, I'm a beggar, always going to be one. That coat that says, I'm a blind man, going to always be one. He walked away from what testified of what he was in his identity to take on his new identity. Is that all right? <laughs> so blind Bartimaeus threw off his coat and jumped up and came to Jesus. He said, I'm going to get my miracle. I don't need the identification of my past anymore because I'm going to be changed forever. He had a willingness to lay down his income source. He had a willingness to lay down what his, his problems were, even though they gave him attention. Oh my goodness, I don't know if I should be going this deep today. <laughs> and all of the attention that he got from being a blind beggar, he said, I don't need that anymore. I don't know what the future's going to look like, but I'm willing to go where I've declared I want to be. Amen? And if I just keep declaring it, Jesus is going to do it. And so he goes and he came to Jesus. Next verse. What do you want me to do for you? He's... It's pretty obvious what he wants him to do. He shows up to Jesus not looking like a beggar and not looking like a blind man. He's ready for new identity. Amen? The best thing you can do when you come to the Lord in a situation or a problem is strip off everything that the world has tried to say about you. Strip off everything that the circumstance has tried to... That's good preaching right there. Strip off everything that everyone else has tried to say about you. Well, you know where you came from, girl. You know you're going to be like that all your life. You know your mama was like that. And your daddy, you know your daddy. Your daddy, like, your daddy was a skirt chaser. You know you're going to be like that all your life. You know your daddy had problems with the bottle. You know it runs in your family. You know you have addictive personalities. Strip off everything that your generation says about you. Strip off everything that a generational curse tries to say about you and come to Jesus ready and pure and ready and willing for a new identity. Oh my goodness. I'm, I'm preaching myself happy today. <laughs> I am so ready for God to give me everything new that he wants me to have. Amen? How about you? Would you stand as a declaration that turns into your deeds? Would your deed be an action of standing today? And he says, let me finish with this. And he says, my, my rabbi, one translation says, the King James actually says, Lord. He calls him Lord. So he asks him, what do you want? He said, I'm ready for whatever the change is going to be but I want my sight. The greatest thing I want is my sight. I want vision. And so he says, Rabbi, go back, please. <clears throat> he says, Rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. He said, first of all, I declare who you say I am. Who do, who do you say I am? The question, he answers it. You're my Lord first. If you're my Lord, you can do whatever you want with my life, Jesus, right now. Whether you choose to heal me or not, first of all, you're my Lord. And then he said, I want to be healed. I want to see. And then the next verse, obviously we know, and Jesus said unto him, go, 
for your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see and he followed Jesus down the road. Instantly. Miraculous. It wasn't an overtime healing. You can be healed and it overtime heal you. But it was a miraculous healing. It was instantaneous. He was forever changed that day because of his desperation. Amen. I'd ask you to analyze your life and find where do you find desperation? Where is there something that's so desperate that you need God to do a miracle right now? And the other thing I want to talk to you about for just a second is are you desperate enough to go after it when you see it? When God shows you and gives you a vision and heals your perspective and heals your sight in an area. I'm not just talking about physical sight. I'm talking about spiritual vision. I'm talking about what God would tell you he wants you to do. Are you willing to go after it when you see it? Today, I think it's very important that we tell the Lord who we say he is to us. And in doing that, I want you to know that no past mistake can ever keep you from the love of God. And so today we want to do communion, if that's okay, while we finish. And you're allowed to take communion with all of us. Who, If you believe in Jesus Christ, you know that he's your Lord and Savior. That's great. If you've been baptized in the name of the Lord, repented of your sins, and you've been filled with the Holy Ghost. If you speak in tongues like a Chinaman, <laughs> that's great. If you know that God is all in all in your life, that's all you need. All you need to know is that he is your Lord today. Amen. Let's bow our heads together and let's seek the Lord for just a minute. Lord, I'm praying whoever has desperation in their heart, would you show up, Jesus? Would you show up, Jesus? Would you please make a way? Just as we saw in these stories today, the woman with the issue of blood got desperate for you. And Lord, you made the difference. It, you made all the difference. And the man that set by Jericho's road, Jesus, he needed you so desperately that he cried out, Son of David, have mercy on me. I'm asking you to make all the difference today in our lives. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.